Welcome to another episode of the Front End Happy Hour podcast. We all like to bundle up our code that is shipped to the client, and there are a lot of great tools to help us out with that. In this episode, we are joined by Maya, Will, and Devin to talk with us about Parcel. Maya, Will, and Devin, can you give us brief introductions of who you are, what you do, and what your favorite happy hour beverage is? Uh, yeah. Uh, so I'm Maya Teagarden. I'm a senior software engineer at Atlassian, and I work in front-end developer tooling, and I've been contributing to Parcel for almost two years now. My happy hour drink of choice is Almanac. It's an oak-aged sour beer. This one is called Dream Sequence. Uh, I'm Will Ben-Smith. I also work at Atlassian. I work alongside Maya, um, senior software engineer. Also, like Maya said, on the on on the same team, um, we are sometimes forget the name of our team, but at some point or another, (laughs) we were build tools team. um, But nowadays, we're Atlassian front end platform, and we're focused primarily on developer infrastructure. Um, so we end up spending quite a bit of time uh, working on Parcel, where uh, we are now in the process of landing uh, Parcel bundles in Bitbucket, Bitbucket Cloud. Uh, my beverage today, I don't, you know, like I don't, I don't have uh, loyalty to a particular beverage or another, but today I happen to have just a, a Diet Coke with some Dominican rum. I'm Devin Gavette. Uh, I work uh, at Adobe, um, mostly on our design system. Um, but kind of front end tooling in general and like infrastructure kind of things. Um, so yeah, I started the parcel project three years ago now. Um, time flies. Um, and let's see today I'm drinking this nice Porter, uh, from the crux fermentation project. So it's pretty good. Well, it's funny that you said how time is flying by. Yeah, it was actually a guest of ours talking about build tools two years ago like it does not feel like that so welcome back but yeah i was surprised to see how long ago when i looked that up all right let's also give uh, introductions of today's panelists stacy you want to start it off sure i'm stacy london i'm a senior front end engineer at atlassian and i also work on the same team with will and maya uh i'm augustus uh I'm Augustus Yu, and I'm a software engineer at twitch and i'm ryan burgess i'm a software engineering manager at netflix In each episode of the Front End Happy Hour podcast, we like to choose a keyword that if it's mentioned at all in the episode, we will all take a drink. And what did we decide today's keyword is? Package. Package. Right on. Cheers. (laughs) (laughs) We're starting off strong, huh? Starting off strong. (laughs) Cheers. I'm curious, as as a quick start, who would like to describe what Parcel is? Can take that one. Uh... So Parcel is a bundler. Cheers. Cheers. It was. I mean, it's, it's, oh, package. Package. <laughs> it's package. It's not package, but it's close. Cheers to anyway. <laughs> so Parcel takes in um, all your code and kind of walks through it and builds up a whole graph of dependencies and then spits out a set of smaller files or like larger files containing more, more, more files, uh, <laughs> more original files, uh, and and then you ship that to an end user. So. Um, you start out with modules, that's your source code. And in the end, you end up with kind of an optimized um, bundle for production uh, that you can ship to end users. That's kind of going to load faster than, than the original source code. So that's kind of the overall picture of what like bundling is. I feel like you've described Parcel before. <laughs> um, yeah, a couple times. 
What are some examples of web applications that are bundling in and why would they want to bundle? I think you, you know, alluded a little bit to making smaller packages. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. But why else? Uh, you might have source code that might not run directly in the browser. You might use things like TypeScript or um, kind of future JavaScript that isn't quite implemented across all the browsers yet. So that's kind of another reason why a lot of build tooling exists out there. Uh, in general. Um, and so, I don't know, kind of parcel, parcel is a bit more um, opinionated, I suppose, than some other tools out there and that it kind of gives you more, more of this out of the box. Um, and so it kind of ties together a lot of those tools that you'd normally use uh, to build things uh, into kind of a more unified experience. Um, and so, so yeah, that's kind of another reason why you'd use a tool like parcel is just to help you build applications quicker any uh examples of web applications that you guys are all aware of maybe it's not even parcel but uh, i mean a lot of the applications that we're all working on are are using some form of bundling i almost want to say the keyword there but chose not to <laughs> i mean these days uh it's kind of hard to find an application that isn't bundled um i guess um uh, you know in the beginning there were no modules um in, in JavaScript at all. So you just had kind of scripts and everything was running in the global scope. So it was kind of chaos, right? And I don't know if you all remember things like require JS or AMD or these kind of early types of um, module systems that people people built um, uh, and, or, or just like kind of cat or just uh, carefully arranging your script tags together to, uh, to build things together. Uh, so... Uh, kind of bundlers came out of that to try to make things both faster and um, and easier to use. So the first kind of module system that was really widely used in terms of bundling was kind of Common JS, um, which was uh, created in the Node ecosystem. So um, on the server side almost, um, but people brought this to the browser um, through things like Browserify. Um, so Browserify was kind of a very early bundler that it took this this common JS syntax that people were using to create modules that were kind of well scoped to file boundaries, so variables weren't leaking outside of the scope and all that stuff. Um, so you could you could build more modular, I mean module applications. Uh, so uh, so Browserify um, was one of these early bundlers that put put these things together for the browser. So it emulated the Node um, module system. Um, but but uh, bundled everything up into a single file that ran in the web browser. Uh, and these days we have uh, like a native module system built into web browsers. It's the ES module system that came out in uh, 2015, the ES 2015 spec. Um, and like people uh, were finally able to start like writing modules in a, a way that's actually specified as part of the language. And this gives us kind of lots of different benefits, including, you know, better... Um, just since it's built into the language, it's easier to analyze um, ahead of time at build time and all that. So uh, I think we're, we'll probably get into some benefits of that later on. But um, that's kind of just an overview of or like kind of history of uh, module systems. <laughs> I love that you painted the history. It just it brought me back to the days As of it. even just having to order order those script tags appropriately and I'm like oh right and then you just mess one up and you're like what's going on and it was simply just moving that around or 
Require.js seemed, I mean, it seemed good at first, but I felt like that one wildly got complicated if you were on a large application. I was blown away when CommonJS came to the browser, like leveraging Browserify. I felt like that was where, I actually felt like we were building bundles appropriately. So, I, and I feel like we've just continued to get better and better from that and the tools continually get better. And I remember like using uh, Require.js on larger applications and the load times were just like in development were just like so slow. Like every, like you're loading hundreds of scripts on the page at a time and the browser was just going crazy trying to <laughs> trying to process all of that um i remember early like uh in a you know applications back in like i don't know 2011 probably even we were just kind of using cat to like combine files together and we had like manual scripts so it was like here's an array of like all of my scripts that are in my application and like some some oh, yeah. uh <laughs> we had some set of scripts that would concatenate them together in the right order. We've come a long way, I would say. <laughs> yeah. And and if you move that out of the array just by a little bit, it could throw everything off. Yeah, you 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 introduce a, a dependency into one of the files but forget to reorder the array, then like things could break. Yeah, you forgot to define jQuery before your jQuery plugin. Right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> For, for I guess for context for folks who weren't uh, in the front end space um, in in the early days, I mean the rationale for concatenating assets is there are a couple of advantages to doing that, right? Um, like pre HTTP two, you were limited to something like six or eight concurrent requests to the same domain. Um, so by concatenating everything, you reduce the number of HTTP requests you make, um, and you can take more advantage of things like gzip. Um, which with the, with the window size um, can better uh, compress uh, text. Um, so for example, if you had, you know, uh, like hundreds of script tags to small, tiny scripts, um, you'd essentially be blocked waiting on downloading and executing those eight at a time. And then um, a compressor like gzip wouldn't be able to act on a large enough window size um, for the gains in compression. Um, these days, we have HTTP2, which gives us multiplexing of requests. Um, so it's a, a lot less of an issue. Um, although um, there are still a lot of reasons why bundling is still relevant. Um, although probably to the extent, uh, probably not to the extent of back in the old days. And it probably opens up um, some capabilities and some interesting new opportunities for changing the the way we bundle. I guess the question, as you say about that, we've moved away from, there were certain reasons why we needed it in the past, exactly what you said of uh, making too many HTTP requests. That's not as, as much of a constraint to worry about anymore. Do you, do all of you think there'll ever be a time where we no longer need a uh, bundle system? Um, yeah, actually recently there's been kind of a lot of different experimentation with, with this. I don't know if people have seen things like snowpack or these kind of newer tools out there um i think bundling is here to stay for a while though um at least for production right so like snowpack and some of these other things are are kind of optimizing the development experience so you have to bundle less during development but there's still like the performance um benefits to bundling and production are still quite large um there's some research data that google i think recently published 
that shows like even with HTTP2, there's a practical limit to the number of requests that you can do when you're loading a page before you start running into performance problems. So I think they came up with a limit of around like 25 requests um, during page load, even with HTTP2. And, you know, as as Will mentioned, like the the gzip compression um, effectiveness kind of drops with smaller files as well. So uh, you end up, even if you load lots of small files, you end up um, downloading more data overall, um, which can kind of slow down things as well. So I think bundling, at least in production, for any reasonably sized app is going to be with us for a while, even if it's uh, even if it changes in development quite a bit. Oh, this might be more of a question towards Devin, but we, I'd love to hear a little bit more around the history of Parcel and, and how it all came about. So let's see, it was 2017. Um, I was working on like a product uh, at Adobe um, and we had some quite long uh, build times. Um, we were using, let's see, I think we were using Browserify at the time. Um, and uh and our app was getting pretty big and like just starting up the development server was taking like i don't know over a minute probably um i don't know if you've all experienced uh applications like that um <laughs> oh yes <laughs> yep yes. um yes definitely. so I, I started looking into ways to optimize this just because uh, the team was kind of getting frustrated with it um so i, I experimented with like using other tools webpack um and I think that was the only other one that was around at the time. Um, there were various plugins to try to do like caching in Webpack and like try to parallelize things. Um, but they, at the time, they were really not mature at all. And um, and it was clear that the Webpack kind of plugin architecture was just not really designed for doing those kind of things. And I know they're working on that now, but back then uh, this was definitely not the case. So I kind of started experimenting with um, building my own bundler just for fun at the start, um, to see like what I could do in terms of kind of caching things and, uh, and parallelization. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of spent a few months on that, um, just kind of on the side and, and eventually we started, like we started using it on the team, um, and trying it out. Um, so really the first version of parcel was exactly what our team needed and nothing more. Um, and I kind of just open sourced it because I thought it was interesting, really with no expectation that it would become like popular or used by anyone else, really. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of how Parcel came to be. Um, the other thing about uh, Parcel is that it's kind of I was frustrated with like configuring uh, these tools. Um, I don't know if you all have configured Webpack, but uh, it's. Ooh. It can be, it can be an interesting experience. Um, I'll just say that. So, and then the other thing is Webpack is really mostly about JavaScript and most of these other tools are, I don't, I still don't think that there's another bundler out there that it really handles um, files other than JavaScript and, and Webpack kind of does, but really what they do is their loaders convert all file types pretty much to JavaScript. And then sometimes there's even plugins that like re-extract some stuff out of the JavaScript. So like their CSS, CSS extract plugin. <laughs> yeah, right. It's called exactly. CSS extract plugin <laughs> to, to get the CSS file out of the graph of JavaScript. Yeah, right. Exactly. So they build it into JavaScript in like a string 
And then later on, they have a plugin to extract that back out into a CSS file. So I kind of thought this was like kind of strange, um, just kind of a strange way to build things. So parcel one had had that whole file type agnostic architecture as well. So we you could you could build a CSS file and it was native to parcel as and any any kind of file was native to parcel as well. We didn't really have any assumptions about it being JavaScript. Um, yeah, and then the whole zero config thing um, was I mean. I was just kind of wrapping up a lot of tools uh, that we were using at the time, Babel and um, PostCSS and a bunch of other things like that. Um, and it turned out the, that we had some pretty good like defaults that people people uh, were able to use as well. Um, so it, it never it never really meant like you couldn't configure Parcel. I mean, you could configure Babel and like all the other tools that Parcel ran, um, but. Uh, yeah, just trying to make that painful configuration experience a little easier to manage. Um, so yeah, those were kind of the main things about the original version of Parcel. Can I just say thanks for making it easier? Yeah, <laughs> I think it's so <laughs> I was, tough. I was gonna say when you said, "Yeah, Webpack configuration is interesting." I, I, that's not the word I would use. I was just gonna say painful. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't yeah. want to start a, uh, a that's war true. or yeah, anything that's, like no, that. No, 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 no. Webpack is an amazing, amazing bundler. You know. Oh yeah, Augustus absolutely. Started the whole. He's starting the war. Let's, let's put some constructive criticism criticism out there that it could be better. So. Yeah, and 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 they they're aware of all of that as well, and they've absolutely. definitely made improvements over the years that have been directly because of of things like Parcel as well. So. So that's that's good to see as well. That's sort of the beauty of open source. Like things get developed and gain popularity and then other things get better too. So Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think we even started that going down the deep history of how we actually started combining JavaScript files. It was, you know, how do we do this? And things kept getting better. There was something like Require.js was great for its time, but it started to not be as easy to use and then you know common js was starting to be leveraged and it's just like i love that it's like we we continue to get better and better which is awesome brings me to an a interesting question to ask all of you parcel makes it a lot easier not to have to do configs but I, I would be interested too what are other reasons that you all would choose parcel as a bundler over another one yeah that's a that's a good question um i think for me it's been all about just getting off the ground running and this and this can apply um, you know, from everything from, you know, a small, you know, hobby app that I'm building um, to just a quick test that I'm running all the way up to uh, something the size of, of Bitbucket. Um, for for Bitbucket, we have, man, do you remember if we have a parcel config? I don't even think we have a parcel config for Bitbucket. No. We have, we have a cost, we have a couple custom plugins that we, that we wrote. Um, thankfully, like the um, the delineation and clear roles that parcel plugins have make it actually quite straightforward to to write a plugin. Um, the flow typing helps quite a bit as well. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think just being able to get up off the ground running to be able to just create um, like an HTML file, um, add some script tags to it, um, add some link tags for my style sheets, um, call and create web workers in my JavaScript. And to be able to run that HTML file just as it is without a bundler at all in the in in the browser and then just point parcel at it and instantly get optimized bundled output and have the app behave exactly the same way is just I think that kind of really 
tells the story of uh, kind of the the thought we put into the user experience for Parcel, um, but just also kind of like how nat- native it is. You don't need to go and, and, and piece together a bunch of plugins and teach it how to load certain things. It kind of works kind of natively just as the web does, I think is kind of just one of the greatest things about it. And then if, if for some reason the zero config case isn't enough for you, just as I was saying, like you, you can build a plugin um, that does what you need. I think really what we're aiming for is something that works for the for like the ninety percent. You just don't have to touch anything, and just kind of does what you'd expect. Does what's what's uh, what we believe is best for your web application. And if what you believe is different, you can go ahead and and swap out any modular piece of parcel with your own and achieve what you want to do. Uh, I guess for me, one thing that really attracted me to Parcel was the caching. Uh, and I've been working to make that better in Parcel 2. Uh, so just being able to keep track of everything that's happening and only run uh, things that are related to the changes. So this idea that uh, the length of the build has to do with the, the size of the changes. As opposed to size of the app, that is. Right. I would echo um, Will's uh, comment about ease of getting going that was just like super impressive to me because like I think sometimes you start trying to build a modern web app and then because you have like a project idea in your head like I want to build this like thing for fun and then you start trying to assemble it and then you get lost in the yak shaving of like configs and setups and tooling and and like hours and hours later you're like okay now I can start the thing that I was supposed to be doing initially and I feel like with parcel it just let you it lets you kind of start building the thing and not worry about all that plumbing and all that uh you know s- stuff that takes a while and is kind of tricky to figure out um and so that was a big difference like create react app that was that ev- that came about because all of that work was so complicated and convoluted and took so much time they're like well here's create react app and then you can exit out of it and you have all that config but like even that is complicated once you exit out of it. And so, I don't know, that, that was just the really appealing part to me about, about Parcel is that it, it lets you really focus on what you're truly trying to do, which is build a cool web app. Yeah, per, like preparing for this, I um, was considering like drawing a comparison between our plugin API and, and Webpacks. And I started Googling around for Webpack internals and I, and I typed in Webpack inter and Google's suggestion I think it was like the second or third suggestion was Webpack interview questions. And it's it's just, it's so surprising to me. <laughs> and, you know, like you hear from folks who who have had like a big chunk of their full-time job dedicated to configuring Webpack and wrangling these plugins and, and coordinating everything um, and having just so much shift uh, around them. It's just the, the complexity of these systems, I think for the just the vast majority of folks, it's really leaky, you know, um, like somebody who's just getting off the ground running shouldn't need to know about mini CSS extract plugin and TS loader and how that's different from TS awesome loader and, and all that. Um, really, they're just interested in building your app and getting to market. Um, and I think, you know, we also, again, want to be able to support the folks who who do need the kind of raw power um, that. Uh, people usually reach to configuration for. Um, and we offer um, 
a like a modular take on that instead. Um, although, like we're probably going to be broadening up configuration a little bit. I think, in general, the the idea behind zero configuration for parcel is not that configuration doesn't exist. Um, it's that you know we we kind of do what you expect. I think I mentioned this before, but like we do the right thing at the right time. And and if you feel differently, you can make that happen. Yeah, I think some people mentioned like tools like Create React App, and there's other ones out there um, that are kind of specific to a particular framework or something like that. Um, so yeah, in many ways, Parcel kind of works kind of like some of those tools in in many ways. Like we we configure Babel for you, we can we set up TypeScript, we do all these things that you'd normally have to do uh, if you're just using Webpack or something like that raw, um, but um, but Parcel is kind of framework and tooling agnostic in that way. Um, so it's not tied to React. It's not tied to Vue. It's not tied to Svelte or whatever else uh, you're you're using. Um, and kind of it's more web native in that way, right? Like you start with an HTML file and, and you put your script tags in there and you put your link tags for your CSS in there and kind of par- Parcel walks everything from there to kind of figure out your whole application. And we've got... We do we do have some frameworks uh, framework uh, features in there. Like uh, we recently added support for Re- React uh, Fast Refresh, which is their new like hot module reloading uh, system. Um, actually, we added it like a while ago. Um, but uh, um, so we do have some things like that. But but a lot of them are kind of like detected based on what your code has in it. So we kind of infer a lot of that configuration for you. So we're looking at your code. We're looking at your dependencies. We see, oh, you have React installed. Okay, we can do this extra thing for you. Um, so yeah, it's it's kind of smarter defaults as opposed to just uh, hard-coded defaults, if that makes sense. I feel like we should have chose a configuration for the word. <laughs> cheers. <laughs> Let's just cheers. 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 Package. Cheers. <laughs> I'd also be really interested to hear from all of you that what's new and exciting to Parcel 2, because that's recently been released, is it is it not? Well, alpha. <laughs> soon soon alpha. beta. Okay, okay. Soon beta. So then we're getting like getting close, really getting into close. it, which is great. Getting close. That's awesome. That's exciting. Possibly by the by the time folks are listening to this, there may or may not be a first beta out. We we hope. <laughs> <laughs> we'll hold you accountable. Yeah. <laughs> I think I remember from last time. Jamie was talking about Parcel 1 and how the, his first suggestion to Devin was to add a config file. Uh, yep, Cheers. that's true. I'm changing it. <laughs> Cheers! <laughs> <laughs> Is this a first? Has the, has the drinking word ever changed mid-episode? <laughs> no. <laughs> Me is the first one to cha- change it. Well done. Uh, yeah, that's true. Um, so uh, I, I started talking to Jamie, uh, Jamie Kyle, that is, um, like a couple couple days even after the first parcel release, um, he had been thinking about building a bundler as well at the time, uh, and so we just decided to collaborate on on that. Um, and yeah, he had he had a lot of experience with building other tools like Babel um, and Flow. He worked on the Flow team, I think, um, and others. Um, and so that was really invaluable to like learn from what he had um, picked up over the years working on those tools. Um, so yeah, we met and the first thing he said was, uh, let's add a config file. And, uh, and I was like, "Mm, I don't know. So, but eventually he convinced me, um, that it was the right thing to do. Uh, we could have good defaults and we could, we could still, 
um, do most of what we wanted to do, um, but but allow people to extend it, uh, send parcel in a better way. Um, I kind of like to tell the story of how I built the plugin system for parcel one, like the day before uh, the public release, because I was like, huh, well, maybe people will want to like extend this. So I, I just kind of added, added it kind of as an afterthought. And um, I wish I hadn't, um, you know, I wish... I wish it had been better thought through. And so that's kind of what we've been doing with parcel two is really thinking through how the whole pipeline should work end to end and how it can be extended in kind of a reusable and um, useful way. That's kind of not just tapping into like lots of different events or anything like, I don't know if you've seen Webpack internals, but the plugins can be pretty hairy and hard to understand, I think. Um, because they're really just tapping into all these events and they can, anything can happen anywhere. So um, we, we, we kind of designed the parcel plugin system around like this pipeline end to end of like, here's the stages of parcel. And then we have plugin types for each one with well-defined APIs and everything. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the core of what parcel two is, is this, is this optimized kind of graph uh, of your whole application and with, with ways to tap into specific parts of that with specific plugin APIs to um, customize it. And parcel core, parcel two core um, basically doesn't really do anything by itself, right? You have to have plugins. And so all of, all of the internals of parcel um, are plugins as well. So we, we use our own plugin system to build everything in parcel. So each, each, you know, you got, you've got transformers and uh, resolvers and these kind of things that that run as part of the, the the pipeline and all of those are all of the core ones are plugins too so um so we hope that this allows like while we have a default config that does you know everything that parcel one did and and more now even um we it'll allow you to you know swap out any part of parcel um and you know change how it works uh, if you need to Probably worth noting that the core uh, bundling strategy is itself a plugin. Um, so if you, you know, if you feel like um, you you have a better take on bundling than we do, and by bundling I mean um, deciding how assets are grouped together in which bundles, and whether bundles exist or not, and where they exist, you're welcome to just swap out the actual core bundling. Uh, strategy it's itself a plugin in parcel yeah and same with um pretty much everything so you want to swap out the way that you know compilation happens or you want to swap out the way that um the way that tree shaking works or any of these kind of pieces they're all plugins and you can you can do that um and yeah i think the the bundling piece is really interesting though it's like parcel by itself really isn't even a bundler anymore it's just kind of uh the plugin that makes it that makes it a bundler uh right that combines these assets together in different ways and so if you want to if you want to uh you know do as we were talking earlier about kind of like the snowpack approach of like i want to not bundle during development like that could be implemented as a parcel plugin right you could just write a, a bundler plugin that outputs uh, a single file for each input file uh so you basically end up with you know, you don't end up bundling anything during development. You could totally build that as a plugin. Yeah, it sounds like you've created like an ecosystem that, yeah, really lends itself well. Yeah, I've been kind of describing Parcel 2 as like a, an, like an application graph as opposed to like a, a bundler by itself because bundling is kind of one thing that it does. 
the plugin system is quite powerful and I've actually been experimenting with different things that you could build on top of on top of it as well. So like at work, we have um, like a documentation website for our design system. And we want to show things in there like we want to generate from like the TypeScript definitions, like here's like here's all the props for each component and all of that kind of thing and render that on a on a page with some custom UI. Um, you know, there's a lot of documentation generators out there that will kind of try to do this, but you're kind of stuck in most of them. You're kind of stuck build with the UI that they give you. Right. Um, and so if you want to build like some kind of custom UI around that, it's pretty difficult. So yeah, I've actually been experimenting with building like a documentation generator on top of parcel. Um, you can kind of think of like the whole pipeline as like a big map reduce kind of over your, over your asset graph. Right. Like you've got, you've got input files that come in, you build all that up into a big graph and then you combine them together in some way and write them out. Right. That's kind of the whole pipeline. Um, and so with documentation, it's really just a different way of doing that. Right. So instead of compiling your TypeScript to JavaScript, you take the TypeScript and convert it to some data representation of, of those types. Right. And then you've got some piece later on that combines them together into like a, like here's all of the, all of the data about your types across different files even. Um, and you've got kind of a documentation generator and then you can use that to feed into your site generator or anything like that. So yeah, the plugin system is quite powerful and, um, I think we're only kind of scratching the surface of what it can do. That's really exciting. Are you going to be encouraging more open source to be adding to it? I guess now that you're extending that more. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I think, um, I mean, I'm really excited to see what people build with it. Um, I think we're definitely going to like that documentation thing that I, I was mentioning. We're going to try to open source that at some point. Um, hopefully that'll um, kind of give people an idea of what you can do. I, I'm curious. I, I don't know, Augustus, if uh, you're using Parcel at Twitch, but I know we're not at Netflix. So I'd be actually curious to hear sounding like Adobe and Atlassian. How are you all using and leveraging at work? I know obviously the three of you working on Parcel uh, and actually helping contribute back, but when you're using it as more of a tool at work, how, how does that look like? What does the setup look like? Extremely simple, <laughs> <laughs> I guess is a good word. I mean, hold on. Are you describing something in technology? Is it extremely simple? <laughs> <laughs> if you needed a quick description of Parcel, I think simplicity just yeah. says it all. Definitely. I mean, it, it, it's relative simplicity, right? Yeah. Yeah. I guess like as an example, I was working on, we have like an existing uh, internationalization set of things, basically extracting strings out of the app to be translated and then imported back in. And, and that was using, you know, Webpack to do, to create those bundles and to create like a manifest file. And just the it's just a one it's a one line call to to parcel to say you know build build these things here's the input here are the ent here's the inputs the entry files for it and just build it so it was just it's very simple it was very simple to use and to to transform that from webpack to parcel was was really straightforward so that's i guess one example of like a thing that you know i uh, did to to kind of move something off of webpack and it was is really easy and seamless. Yeah, and I think one of the uh, one of the like bigger moments we had as we were porting Bitbucket over from Webpack to Parcel was one of the I think I think Maya was probably uh, Maya was kind of the uh, this first happened uh, when Maya built Bitbucket after after building it again, 
And so this is essentially a, a zero change incremental build. Um, and it built in, I don't know, it must have been less than five seconds or something. And this is something that took um, for production build with Webpack and running through, uh, you know, Terser um, and everything was on the order of minutes. Um, but because that five seconds was essentially spent in examining the state of the world and the cache, realizing that we had nothing to do, and then successfully exiting the program, um, which, I don't know, it was just kind of like one of those moments of like, wow, we've actually, um, like, this is a pretty big moment for us. Yeah, that's pretty impressive just to see that fast. <laughs> like, that's that's amazing. Anytime that you're developing, um, especially on a large project like Bitbucket, just being able to see it go that fast, I'm sure the team all was thanking thanking me for that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's mostly in dev right now. I We're working on... Um being able to do that in CI as well. And, and this idea of a shared cache. So not only you're not building things that you've built before, but you're uh, not even building things that your teammates have built before. So that's not a reality yet, but something I'm excited to get to. Yeah, that's something um, that's something we we're taking inspiration from uh, other uh, compilers and bundlers out there. So um, Google has a tool called Bazel. Um, which is the public version of their internal Blaze uh, program. And Facebook has Metro, which, which powers bundling for uh, React Native apps. And both of these um, have a feature called a remote cache. Um, and essentially, in, in the simplest case, it's just a matter of um, using HTTP to publish and retrieve cache artifacts uh, for things that have already been built or things that have just been built. Um, so essentially replacing the like the cache get and set that we have um, on local disk with something that lives on the network. Um, and yeah, so that's something we're exploring in the near term future. So you know somebody starts on their on their first day on your team um, and you know they run parcel and all it does instead of going and um, you know using Babel to transform your files, going through, and rebundling the app um, and spitting out output files, it's essentially just downloading artifacts that either another coworker or a CI system has published uh, into uh, you know a remote server that you have on. Could just be an S3 bucket, um, could be a local server that you're running on your network, and it's just downloading artifacts that have already been built before. Um, so that's kind of part of this multi-tiered cache strategy that we want to have in the future. Right now we have a disk cache, um, but we want to have a, we want to be able to share contents and memory as well. So essentially, there are there are there are layers of um, of uh, of you know closeness and responsiveness uh, responsiveness, kind of mirroring like your CPU's L2 cache and your your, your tertiary uh, uh, storage on disk, and then your RAM in the middle. Um, so. This isn't. This is something we're really excited about, um, in terms of, uh, you know, extending parcels, not just you know from from small hobby apps, but to something that scales up to beyond the size of something like Bitbucket. So at Adobe, uh, we've got a bunch of different apps using using Parcel now, um, which is cool. Yeah, you know, at big companies like that, it takes a long time to push change, um, for sure, uh, especially if the if the you know, the tooling isn't coming, isn't being mandated or coming from a central place. Um, uh, so that's certainly the case uh, at Adobe. Um, 
but we've got a bunch of different apps running parcel one and some of them are migrating right now to parcel two. Um, and we've seen some pretty good, um, like, uh, bundle size, uh, reductions with that. Um, a couple of things, uh, that, that parcel two is, is doing over parcel one, um, is that we, we have like, uh, tree shaking is turned on by default now. Um, and like, thanks to some of our contributors, like, uh, Nicholas on, on our, on the core team has done a huge amount of work on making that like reliable. Um, and so that's really exciting. And, you know, so like, uh, unlike a bunch of other bundlers, like we even do tree shaking for common JS modules, uh, not just, uh, ES modules. And, and that can have like a pretty big effect, um, when you take into account that like most of the modules on NPM are still common JS or, or compiled from ESM to common JS before they're published. Right. Um, so when you take that into account, like, uh, the fact that we're able to tree shake common JS is like a pretty big deal. Um, and the other thing is, uh, the, the work that we've done on, on code splitting in parcel two. Um, so I think Will, Will's done like tremendous work on this, uh, in particular, um, and so now what happens is, uh, you can, um, if you have like a, a module that's shared between multiple bundles, it can be automatically extracted out into its own bundle, uh, which means that both of those original bundles kind of get smaller and you're able to cache that shared, shared bundle, um, independently. So kind of when you navigate between pages on a site, if you've got react on all of them, for example, um, you know, that, that bundle doesn't, that module doesn't need to be reloaded every time you navigate just the, just the new, um, just the new contents of the, of the code for the, for the page that you're navigating to. Um, so that's really exciting and it's kind of completely automatic, which is really cool. You don't have to configure anything about like, oh, I want to extract react or I want to have my vendor bundle or these kind of things that you've often had to do before. Um, it's all kind of automatic and, uh, so uh, that's really exciting too. So like at Adobe, we had one application that we saw like a 23%, um, size reduction on the initial bundle, um, like page load. So like, that's pretty, that's a pretty good improvement over, over the previous, uh, previous app. So like the team was really excited about seeing that. So, um, that's pretty cool. Uh, let's see. Another thing we're doing is, um, like, uh, parcel is also like can be used to build like libraries uh, as opposed to just applications. Um, so we have our, I mentioned our design system a few times. Uh, we've got like a, mo- a typical like modern repo set up in there with lots of different packages and everything. And one of the cool things that we added to parcel two was this ability to um, just run parcel build like packages slash star or whatever. And it goes and it'll, it'll go through all the packages in your, in your mono repo. Oh, 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 we got a drink. Cheers. Wait, didn't, didn't we change cheers. it? Are we, are we just counting know. both we're now? We're doing both now. <laughs> we're doing both? Both. Okay. I think we, we're doing both. That's, we should that's didn't better. do too well with config after I didn't call it out every time. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, so um, you can run parcel build packages slash star, and it'll go through all the packages in your monorepo, look at their like source, uh, like their entry fields and their package JSONs and everything, and and their uh, their outputs in their package JSON. Like you got your main and module and 
um, all these different fields that are in your package JSON that you want to build to. Uh, and so it'll just go through all those packages and you'll end up with like a common JS version for each package along with an ES module version and all this, all this stuff kind of just with one command. Um, so we've been using that uh, for, our, for our design system, like publishing all the packages for each component and everything um as well so it's kind of a bunch of different things we're doing 10 drinks yeah i think you said it a few times <laughs> i must have oh. said it a few times <laughs> package for good measure you know cheers <laughs> devin have you talked about how we're using package json for configuration have you touched cheers on and cheers cheers and cheers <laughs> yeah so before we get into picks on this episode I would love to hear, I mean, I'm pretty convinced that Parcel is a great way to go, but if you were to give one piece of advice for someone that wants to move to Parcel, what's that one piece of advice that you would suggest to someone moving to Parcel? That's a good question. I would probably say, and and this is this is easier said than done and certainly uh, harder in certain, some circumstances, but I would say embrace the native web. If you build your app against the, the primitives that the web gives you, um, you know, using the native web worker constructor instead of a uh, uh, a web worker plugin for your bundler, um, or using some kind of special uh, notation like magic comments or something like that to rely on behavior from your bundler. I would say, to the extent that you can, embrace the native web and the way the web does things, and Parcel will meet you halfway there. And it, well, actually, in most cases, it'll meet you all the way. I think for like teams, like um, I know, and Devin mentioned, like you know, at bigger companies, maybe it's harder to switch something if you've got like, you know, uh, something that's real popular in the company or mandated, you know, in, in a tech stack or something. Um, I think one thing that will help any, you know, almost with any technical decision that you're trying to make is and to convince people is to show the to show the value of of what what the tool does and what it brings to the team. So if you say, "Oh, I want to just use this new new bundler, new packager," why? And if you if it's just because it's a new thing, that that's not a good story. You have to, you know, describe the benefits. And and if you can say, "Oh, developer productivity is going to go up because you know those rebuild times are because of the cache are are way it's faster." And it's going to save developers all this time as they're as they're building out new features. That's the story that's going to you know help help you convince people, um, especially like leadership, management, and that kind of thing, to say that this is worth your time uh, to to swap. Yeah, I think those are good answers. I would just say that yeah, like larger projects that are kind of kind of show that they what tools they've been built with. It's going to be harder to move to Parcel. Uh, I think it's going to be much easier if you've got like a small project that you're just starting out with or like a larger project that doesn't have many beholden things to what tools it's using. Yeah, for sure. If you're building kind of a new, a new like kind of greenfield project uh, where you're just starting, like it's a good opportunity to try new tools um, in general, just not even just parcel, like just in general, just try, try new things. Um, and you might be surprised uh, that you like, that you like them. Right. Um, or that it makes your life easier when you're starting out. And um, you know, like a lot of, like Will was mentioning like all these things that were tied to specific tools before um like the whole worker plugin thing or all that all that kind of thing um and you know there's lots of well, like webpack plugins or things like that where where you're you know doing you have webpack specific you know syntax in your code right and parcel like tries really hard to avoid 
those kind of things. So like we're trying not to lock you in, which a lot of other, you know, tooling can't, can't claim. Right. Um, so I feel like what's the risk in trying it if you can move off of it, if you don't, if you don't like it or it doesn't work for your project or something like that, we think it will, but, um, you know, there's always a chance that something else is going to work better for you. So give it a go and see how it goes. Yeah. I like how you mentioned like starting with a greenfield project, like, Almost every company has a documentation website. You could even like start with that. So I don't know, maybe when you open source that awesome docs generator, you could just use it and stuff. And and I also want to like super plus one what Stacy said, like really communicating the pros and cons. Um, this one might be a little tougher, but what I've seen a lot of engineers do when they want to propose really large technical solution changes is they put up a doc on like a migration strategy um, that can be pretty involved, so you might want to work with someone. But if you can like outline what the changes would be or what the path forward is, I feel it takes a lot of risk from leadership's end of like saying, "Okay, I understand the pros, and this is the work that's needed." And then you can kind of like paint a path of when you how you can do that. Right on. All really great advice to start using Parcel. So I hope people are excited for Parcel too, but also just excited to try it out if they haven't yet. Well, let's uh, move into picks. In each episode, we like to share things that we've found interesting with our listeners. Stacy, you want to start it off? Sure. I've got two picks today. I've got uh, the first one is uh, a song called Unreal by Sun Glitters, but it's spelled with all the letters repeated a bunch. Um, and it's a Luxembourg-based uh, music producer, um, kind of like down-tempo, electronica, that particular song is kind of movie soundtrack like, um, so I like I like that one. It's good for good for coding. And then the second one is a song called "Breathtaker" by Geotic. Um, it's been described as vaporous synth pop. <laughs> um, there's lots of layers going on in that, so it's really good with headphones. Um, it kind of reminded me at first a little bit of Postal Service if you've ever listened to them a while back. Um, yeah, so those are my two picks. So I have um, two picks. One is a show on Netflix, or well, a movie on Netflix called The Half of It. Uh, recently came out. It was uh, directed by Alice Wu. Um, I just thought it was a really, really good movie. Um, I could give you like a plot summary of it, but I rather maybe just just watch it. <laughs> just watch it. I just thought it was it was a cute. Okay, I'll give it. It's it's a little romantic kind. Of, it's not a love story, but it, but yeah, I think you should watch it. I thought it just had so many good things about it. I won't spoil what it's about. Um, and then the second. I love that you didn't give a description <laughs> of it. I want to now go watch it. <laughs> That's the best way, you know, drive curiosity. Um, and then my second pick uh, is actually a shirt. It's a parcel on Parcel's website. There's a Parcel t-shirt on Cotton Baru. Uh, <laughs> and oh my gosh, it is the cutest freaking logo I've ever seen. It's this cat in a box. Uh, we've actually <laughs> given a shout out to Cotton Baru. It's a t-shirt website, um, but they have really great shirts. But yeah, it's just so adorable. I like opened it. And I was like, oh my God, I want that shirt. <laughs> we'll have to do another uh, another run soon. Uh, yeah, that was designed uh, by my friend, Tim Kim. Um, so shout out to him. Right on. Will, do you want to give your pick? Sure. Um, first of all, I think you, you might want to try like an A-B test at Netflix where you just hide all the descriptive text about uh, an entry. 
<laughs> I yes. like that. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm interested to see how it goes. Um, or maybe like... An, Probably not well. I feel like some people would want that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my first is just kind of like a, a piece of advice that um, I'm sure Maya will call me out for not following very well. Um, but that's not... If, if you're in the tech industry right now, um, in this kind of strange place, strange time uh, in this world, um, there's a good chance that you are fortunate enough to be working from home right now. And I would just say, I would urge you not to conflate not being in the office with not being at work or not working. Just because you're, you know, you're holed up in, in maybe your home office, uh, if you're lucky enough to have one all day, um, or hunched over your laptop on the kitchen table, uh, you're still at work. So I would just urge you to take uh, some time away. Like PTO still exists, uh, despite you being in your house all the time. Um, you know, your lunch break still exists. You can still play Animal Crossing during your lunch break. It's totally okay, <laughs> at least for me. Um, yeah, so that's kind of my first one. And uh, second is um, a little uh, a tool I'm using um, on my uh, VPS virtual private server called Doku. Um, if you want to deploy like a hobby app or a blog or something like that, um, you can go and, and um, you know, manually maintain um, some Nginx configuration and manage processes that way, um, you know, if you want to go old school. Um, or, you know, you could go and get your, like, PhD in Kubernetes or something like that and, you know, like, waste weeks. Um, <laughs> sorry, not waste. <laughs> you know, you're learning. But, you know, in invest weeks of your life into, you know, getting your little static blog up or something like that. Um, but there's this, there's this tool called Doku and it's, it, I think it started out really as a collection of shell scripts. It's, it's written a lot in, uh, go these days. Um, but it's great for a single node. Um, you know, you've got your like one VPS or whatever. And when, when you push up to it, it works a lot like Heroku. There's like a, uh, I think it's a post receive hook, um, in Git goes and determines the runtime of your app, um, goes and builds a, a Docker image just for your app. And this is all happening as you're Git pushing and then deploys it. And then the Git push will uh, succeed or fail, I believe, based off of your app deploying. Um, and it'll go and it'll do, it'll like start up a second image um, and then cut over the traffic for it once it's um, up and going. It's really great. Um, you, can, you can still define a Docker file if you really want to, or you can, you know, if you have a node app, you can just um, declare your node version in engines and it'll go and download that particular version of node install your dependencies, run yarn, all that kind of stuff. Run, run any, you know, webpack or parcel builds you've got um, and then deploy your app. Um, it's a, to me, it's a really nice sweet spot for, for small hobby projects. Um, oh yeah, and, the, and one of the greatest things about it is there's a plugin for it for Let's Encrypt. Um, and it's like ridiculously simple. It goes in and manages setting up a, a web server to, you know, uh, do the, the handshake with Let's Encrypt to get you a valid certificate. Um, it manages like the cron recurring cron task for uh, for renewing that cert. It's it's really really great. I would encourage you to try it out if you have a small you know hobby VPS. Maya, what do you have for picks? I'm gonna do a music pick today. Two albums that I've been listening to recently. First one is uh, the artist is Wahada, which is Reggie Watts and John Tejada. They put out an album end of February called Don't Let Get You Down. Um, it's put out by the Brain Feeder uh, record label, which is also uh, the same 
label that put out the next album, which is uh, Thundercat. It is what it is. Um, so yeah, I've been enjoying those recently. Uh, Devin, what do you have for us? Uh, yeah, so uh, since we've all been trapped at home, uh, one thing that I've kind of I I did when we started off the uh, quarantine was buy a coffee machine, like a nice espresso machine because i used to go out all the time to get coffee um i couldn't do that anymore um so highly recommended if you're a coffee drinker uh get like a nice a nice machine it's worth the investment um so i got the breville bambino plus uh it's just a kind of it's very compact and small um and it has like these really awesome features uh on it like it'll auto clean itself and it like automatically steams the milk to like a perfect like um temperature because it's got like a temperature sensor on the bottom so you just put the little milk uh jug thing underneath there and it and it uh automatically senses when it should stop um really awesome um so highly highly recommend checking out uh something like that if you're a coffee drinker um and the other one is kind of a a tool that i've been liking recently it's a it's a git ui um, so I don't, there's lots of these out there for using Git, um, kind of with a more visual interface like GitX, and even I think GitHub has their own now. Um, but I've been liking this new one called fork, uh, recently. Uh, it's a really, it's just a really nice app. I think it's available for both Mac and windows, um, now. Um, and yeah, it, I, my favorite feature of it is the, um, like interactive rebase feature, um, which I always had to do with like a terminal before. Cause like I couldn't, I never found like a good UI for that. Um, but this thing is really awesome. You just drag like a branch on top of another branch and then it like this modal comes up and you can just choose like to, uh, you know, pick or drop or whatever the commit each commit in that with like a nice visual interface, as opposed to like having to be dumped into your terminal using Vim and then figuring out how to exit it, you know? So, um, uh, so yeah, fork, uh, it's a really nice, get UI. Those are my picks. Right on. And I got, I got a plus one on the Breville. It's uh, a really nice machine. Well, I have, I don't have the same one. Mine doesn't self clean. Like that sounds awesome. It's pretty fancy. Yeah. Mine is, mine's a little larger than the compact one. So maybe it's like, Oh, we don't know how to figure that one out yet for self cleaning, but I want that feature because I do make a mess even making my espresso. All right. I have two picks. I have very similar. I feel like I've been trying. I feel like some people say they have all this extra time. I don't know that I actually have all this extra time in quarantine. Maybe a mix of both, but I have been finding I'm watching more TV and I started watching Kim's Convenience. I think it's a great, just nice, easy going show that's uh, really funny. It's about a Korean family in Toronto that owns a grocery store. Just really nice, easy watching. I highly recommend it. And then I signed up for Masterclass and found there's a lot of interesting things that you could be learning if you were actually finding you have a lot of extra time. There's like cooking classes. There's I I watched a couple like photography courses. There's like business courses. There's there's some really interesting courses on there by some really famous people that taken the time to put that together. You can learn how to be a DJ from Dead Mouse if you really want to be. I've got a bit of lag and I'm like waiting for Stacy's reaction. <laughs> All right. Well, before we end the episode, I want to thank Maya, Will and Devin for joining us. It was really a pleasure having you us and, and just sharing a lot of great knowledge on parcel. 
Where can people get in touch with you? I know there's going to be more questions for all of you. Where can people get in touch? Uh, yeah, I'm uh, Devin Gavet on Twitter. Um, and if you want to learn more about Parcel, parceljs.org. Uh, yeah, I'm Padmea, P-A-D-M-A-I-A on Twitter and GitHub. Uh, I'm W. Binsmith on, on Twitter and GitHub. It's W-B-I-N-N-S-M-I-T-H. Um, yeah. And actually, one, one thing I just wanted wanted to shout out really quick at the end. I know um, Devin mentioned Nicholas in passing, um, but um, both Nicholas and um, Jasper is another member of the core team. Just do incredible work. And like we we wouldn't have we wouldn't be representing half the stuff we're here representing if it weren't for them. So I'm, I'm really grateful uh, for their contributions. And it, this is 100 percent a team effort. And we're an open source project, of course. So um you know, come and contribute. We have, uh, you know, plenty of issues on GitHub for people to, to work on. And I think there's a good first issue kind of label on there as well. So for people to check out if they want. And yeah, I mean, uh, you mentioned, uh, Nicholas and, and Jasper there. Um, and so we, we pay them as well through open collective. So if you want to help support our work, uh, opencollective.org slash parcel. Right on. Thank you all. That's great. And thank you all for listening to today's episode. You can find us on frontendhappyhour.com. You can subscribe to us on whatever you like to listen to your podcasts on. And you can follow us on Twitter at frontendhh. Any last words? Config, package. 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 (laughs) Package. All, All the things. Cheers. Cheers.